What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. My name is Gabriel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Happy, dare I say, happy St. Patrick's Day. Yes. Conor <laughs> McGregor, I hope, is having a great day full of proper 12. <laughs> my condolences. I know, uh, you know, I saw the news on his aunt, but yeah, obviously, when you talk MMA and St. Patrick's Day, who ca- who else would you think of? Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um. So, fight fans, anyone who listens, subscribes, you like hearing our pop culture references. I would love to tell you that it's a lovely week. I would love to tell you that I am very excited about everything going on and the MMA action that we have and all that, but anyway, I try to phrase that and say that even, you know, to make light, it just doesn't feel right, Natalie, so I guess the only thing I could really say is I know that this is a very stressful time, I hope everyone's doing well, and Natalie, I hope you're doing well, how's everything? Obviously, being a new mom, and (laughs) I'd imagine it's a weird time. It's a weird time, you know, and I'm just glad that that you know, my son was was already born three months ago. He hit mark. He hit three month mark just this weekend. Because I feel for all the moms that are pregnant right now, because they're probably extra nervous and extra concerned with staying isolated. But um, yeah, we're hanging in there like everybody else is, just you know, acting uh, in the interest of the greater good. And I think that uh, Max Holloway posted on Instagram. I think that was the the, the best perspective I've read yet on on this whole pandemic that's that's fair that's the correct word to use and uh he's just really positive and pragmatic about the whole situation and just asked that you know if you're young and you think why should i abide by all this stuff like hey you know don't do it for yourself do it for others and so that kind of just just reinforcement is very helpful because i think a lot of people are getting information from everywhere and it's contradictory so i would say uh Go check out Max's Instagram post on on this current time. And then also, um, if you feel like you got to check the news, maybe just pick one time during the day and do it once instead of like obsessing on Twitter because I found myself doing that and it only adds to the stress. I don't know how often you're checking in on on the status of things. You know what? I've had to learn how to um, like limit it. You know, I think it's... uh... Yeah, it it can mess with you mentally. Like any social media, you know, even when it's just memes, sometimes you got to change the channel and get a little more productive. And you got it, you know, you ingest, you know, your content, right? And it does stick with you if you read enough of it. So, no, I'm definitely with you. Um, You know, so let's, uh, how do I put it? Let's start from the beginning, right? So we did our show Tuesday. Wednesday, I think you can say was, you know, quote unquote, day zero of the apocalypse. So the NBA, that's, you know, we knew that several things were postponing going up to that point. A lot of the bigger events, Coachella, Stagecoach. Um, Wednesday night, right before the Utah Jazz, Oklahoma City Thunder game, the NBA postpones the game. Next thing you know, like within an hour, you find out one of the NBA players is, um, you know, in- infected. And uh, just it's been quite the domino effect since then. Before the night's out, all NBA is suspended. Uh, by the 
within 24 hours, every other major league has kind of suspended it. Everywhere in entertainment, concerts, comedy, uh, just whatever, everywhere. Every large event just seems to have stopped conventions. And, um, you know, MMA, obviously, we had a very weird weekend. Um, Thursday, I want to say, is when they announced that Brasilia wouldn't have fans. Bellator was set to go on, and then they made the call Friday, hours before showtime. And um, look, I mean, it's a weird thing. Um, and I'm gonna toss it to you right now. But the only, the quickest way for me to describe what the last few days have felt like is that we're in this weird medium of life hasn't stopped. And yet we're trying to do what's normal, but at the same time, just this reality of, you know, social distancing and, you know, taking care of each other in terms of not making contact for everyone's personal health because of the way it's spreading. You know, uh, you had it, you know, we had Brasilia with no fans. I saw the WWE did a show, no audience. And, um, you know, I appreciate that the show must go on. I appreciate that they're like, look, people want something to stop thinking about the news. And I understand that. And, you know, they're trying to control and take care of everybody and go on the way we need to go on. But I'll be honest, it's just weird. And it feels, you know, it's just not the way it's not normal. And it's, you know, it's a little concerning, to say the least. Yeah. So interesting, like for me was that I was weirdly okay yeah the nba thing so when we talked last week i said the ufc will not you know <laughs> i felt very confident in this i said they're not gonna shut anything down unless a, a sports entity greater than them cl- uh, turns off the lights and then when the M- nba did that i was like oh boy here it comes for ufc and they didn't dana white dug his heels in and i gotta say i, I know it's a polarizing opinion to have but i even though I don't usually agree with him, I kind of thought, you know what? I appreciate that your 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 show must go on mentality, and I'm grateful to have this fight that we can watch in in Brasilia. And I was looking forward to the ones at the Apex because I thought, you know, they're really going to do their best to to keep everybody safe. But the more you think about it, it's kind of hard to do, right? And and obviously the UFC came to that conclusion as well once Trump passed. Uh, or delivered guidance of no more than 10 people in a room. Well, there you go. I mean, that pretty much sealed the deal. So uh, I was, again, grateful that they were trying to give us some entertainment to pass the time. But you have to just be safe first. And it wasn't going to be possible any longer. So I know the UFC has received a lot of criticism on Twitter, at least the folks that I follow, um, UFC Dana White, like Luke Thomas, someone that I like to listen to a lot, has been really, really, really aggressively disappointed and angry at the UFC. I don't know where what your opinion is on, on that, uh, how the UFC handled everything, but look, man, it's uh, it's a tough call. And he, you know, they they pushed it as far as they could, and then when they realized that they were really being dangerous, they stopped. But you know, we'll see how history looks looks back on this time at all these these big entities and and their their speed at at shutting shutting things down so no for sure um i think that uh especially with um i understand first off why all 
any, everyone has taken every direction. I think it's not hard in this situation to step back. Um, with Bellator, it's like, look, the fact is the situation was changing every day. And even though everybody was weighed in and ready to compete and ready to go and do what they had to do and, you know, they were already there, the call was made for their safety and that was the end of that. Brasalia, same thing. Fighters were already there. And I'd like to um, point out things escalated very quickly from Tuesday to Wednesday. For mm-hmm. crying out loud, I don't think you or I expected the dominoes to fall as quickly as they did um, within 24 hours of recording our last episode. And, you know, but here they are. And I, I would say this. If you know everyone's not infected and you've already got everybody there, like I said, everybody's already there. I mean, just let's just close the show. You know, it's just would be so unfortunate. And so I understand Bellator's point of view. I understand UFC. Um, in terms of moving forward and everything, I think the UFC is in a unique position that they have an apex. They have literally a whole full-scale facility yeah. to hold events from. This, you know, the NBA, you still have to go to different cities and all that. Like, you know, you, they're not just all going to play in one city in one night. So, you know, uh, NFL, MLB, a lot of the same things. Plus, you know, more teams, more personnel, right? You know, there's just more bodies in a room for the other sports. Okay. But I think, and I, I mentioned this, was that logistically, with the travel and, you know, like, okay, if I'm not mistaken, if I understand it correctly, uh, there's usually about, what, 12 fights? ish okay so 12 you know 12 fights 24 fighters obviously two guys or girls fighting every fighter is allowed two cornermen if you're main event or championship you get three so do the math you know you're now obviously looking at 50 ish plus people to travel just for one ufc card yeah okay i have heard all of this stuff you only need one ref two judges, one, uh, you know, all, all this, it's like, guys, there's a lot more essential personnel than you'd imagine, you know, like, re- you know, you have a ref, three judges, judges, and a timekeeper, that's five, you know, if you count two fighters and a ref, that leaves, you know, in a room, you already have your 10 before you give everybody their um, licensed cornerman. It, it's just such a logistical nightmare, you know, t- about the events. I am with you. I appreciate, you know, the show must go on mentality. That being said, you know, for the record, nobody's health is worth the risk of our, you know, our entertainment. No. Um, no. And I think that that's just it. And look, I get it. This is what the athletes sign up for is to compete. And just like everybody else, like, you know, myself and I'm sure others in your life that you and I know, rent is still due at the beginning of the month. Bills still need to be paid. And so I am sure there are plenty of fighters like, look, if they have a fight, if they have a card, I'm ready to fight and, you know, make my money. I completely understand and I feel for all of the athletes in the situation. Um, I guess for the as a fan, I would say, look, you know, I hope you get paid, but I would not want the event to go on just because I want to watch UFC. Yeah. And I think that that's where I would, I'm just going to leave it and. 
you know, the UFC, like, look, just like all the companies, I understand everyone's bottom line. Like I said, the Apex situation, it's a very unique one because it's its own facility that they can monitor and all that. But yeah, you know, when you talk about getting the test to everybody, I think Cub Swanson, you know, he joked like, hey, USADA, if you guys are going to keep checking me, can you also test me for the COVID-19? And it's like, this is honestly how people are feeling. Like, well, if you're going to be here, check that I'm safe, you know, and we're going to continue. I understand the situation and it's just an odd one. And, you know, like I said, I get where the fighters are coming from. But as a fan, as someone who covers this sport, I don't need it to go on. I'd rather everyone be safe. Yeah, ultimately, that's it, that's where we all have to land, right? So it's, we have to come together as a society, and uh, and that's it. So we'll just uh, hunker down and entertain ourselves in multitude of other ways. Thank God that there's a hundred streaming platforms. That, uh, <laughs> you know, I was telling my husband, I was like, if this had happened in two thousand nine when it was like just Netflix, then you know, Netflix might have crashed. But now we have so many <laughs> options that I think everything's okay. <laughs> I've been getting a lot out of Hulu, if I'm being honest See, with these times. Um, <laughs> I watched While You Were Sleeping on Disney Plus the other day, and I was like, I haven't seen this movie in 10 years, so this is great. <laughs> was that Which one is that one? That was the Sandra Bullock movie. It was like the one that came out just after Speed, when she like became, oh, you know, Oh, that one. Oh yeah, it's gosh. like uh, she is a metro like the chicago l train operator or a ticket token taker or whatever and she rescues this man who falls on the tracks and then due to like uh, you know misunderstanding her his family thinks that she's his fiance and so they like adopt her into their family and then when this guy wakes up he looks at her and he's like who are you (laughs) <laughs> and then the family's like oh no he has amnesia like it doesn't occur to them that she's lying they just assume he can't remember anything so oh that is funny it's a really funny movie i gotta get back in there yeah the streaming wars are you know the big winners of the apocalypse streaming wars are the big winners and ralph's and costco and like every supermarket i mean geez that's well are, hey i'm just saying Charmin. that yeah. that little red bear from the commercial man <laughs> Um, no, like, you know, here, so we got a lot of fights to talk about, but, or, you know, a couple fights to talk about, and then we'll discuss, but, um, I will say this, I think, uh, the more interesting ones, um, uh, first off, I want to say, you know, if you've been affected, you know, let, let me say that again, affected, just job or anything else, just, you know, my thoughts to you, and I'd just like to point out, look, I know it's a stressful time. You are not alone. We are all feeling a bit of the the nerves, I think. And look, you know, I, I'm washing my hands. I hope you're washing yours. And, you know, we'll get through this together one day at a time. And hopefully the world gets back to normal very soon. So we could go back to enjoying what we love and just how I think we're meant to live. Well said, my man. Well said. Thank you. Now, let's talk about a bit of fun stuff. For one... um. Yeah, uh, the toilet paper thing. <laughs> I, uh, my friend posted they had the audacity, I guess, you know, whatever. The fact is, you know, the roll of toilet paper fell and there was a spill, so the roll was actually wet. Oh. And I wrote, that's like a crime in this day and age. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, so stuff, reactions like that. 
Um, I saw one. Somebody posted the picture of the girl from the Peloton commercial. <laughs> and they wrote that, you know, that gift doesn't seem so insensitive right about now, does it? <laughs> People have had quite a lot of um, coping mechanisms through the apocalypse. And yeah, I, a lot of I'm here, here for it. What stands out a, to you? The one that you sent, I think you posted it, the quarantini one. Was that you? <laughs> oh, yeah, the martini, but it's yeah, with the with emergency. Emergency, yeah, that's hilarious. I saw one today. Um, do you know the singer Lionel Richie? He's older. Yes. Okay. It's His, the American Idol judge. Yes, the, for American the young Idol people. Judge. Yes, for the young folks. He uh, he has a famous song that's called "Hello." Um, is it me you're looking for? And uh, the meme of this one is him holding a, a pack of Charmin with that <laughs> with that lyric. Um, also, I've seen some funny ones about Mexico, like like Mexico says they really want Trump to hurry up and build that wall now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so that's pretty hilarious because they, they definitely don't have as many uh, near as many cases <laughs> as we do so it's some weird times man it really is it makes me think of uh, that movie The Day After Tomorrow you ever see that movie? Uh, yes it's yeah. like okay if you remember maybe not at the end after the whole like northern hemisphere freezes whoever's left in the United States below that point has to travel southward to like Latin America. Oh yeah. And so the news says, uh, you know, Latin America opens its borders to the U S after all, all debt is forgiven. So, <laughs> um, I think we could look forward to, to living in Costa Rica now, so long as uh, we forgive, uh, we forgive their debt. <laughs> I mean, one championship is still holding shows, no audience, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Or did they uh -huh. cancel? I think they canceled, yeah. The yeah. one that was weird to me, I didn't actually watch footage of it, but I want to, is WWE. Because, like, how much they, they it's so, like, audience-driven. Participant, yeah. yeah, so there's just a participant in the in the story and the action. Um, I mean, even Brasilia, and we can, you know, get into it, but it's just, it's kind of cool, but it's kind of weird, too. What a beautiful segue. Um, <laughs> no, uh, on the WWE thing, like, yes, and I feel like that one... I, I appreciate that now they play up their personal drama. I, I saw it. I know it was John Cena, right? And um, people were excited to have him back. Obviously, he's doing the movie thing. Um, uh, I appreciated that it's like they're still shouting at each other with the same energy. But there is something to be said for the live crowd. And so when you talk about Brasilia, um, I think the biggest thing that I feel like I was... To relate it is that everything felt like a dress rehearsal. Like, you know, for fans, yeah. you know, like to peel back the curtain on any of these shows, they do run a couple, they do practice, they do rehearse. And obviously you don't rehearse what happens in a fight, but where the cameras are supposed to go, the music, the announcers, they check the mics, they check to make sure the PA and all that's recording and broadcasting correctly. Um, and I felt like that's what I was watching, you know, obviously Joe Martinez announced a fighter and he does it correctly. And then it's just that awkward pause. Yes. <laughs> and then the same. And then, you know, I felt like you could hear the echo on, um, Brendan and Bisping's, uh, microphones. Um, I, I appreciated Mick Maynard getting out there and cheering for the people. I, <laughs> uh, found that very endearing and I hope that you know I, I think everyone appreciated it because you know I think that that's a big part of 
the fight, right? But yeah, I think that's my biggest thing is that, you know, I can't imagine what it was like to fight. I'm sure just like anybody, some people reacted to it quicker than others. Maybe some people never got felt like they, you know, win or lose, felt like they were fully in the zone without the noise. So it was interesting. But before any fights, what were your thoughts on watching it? Uh, yeah, similar. It was it was it was a little eerie, but also to me it was kind of cool um, because I could hear things that I really hadn't heard before. Like in the main event, anyway, when when Mike Beltron, like everything that he says to the fighters as he you know uh, introduce or brings them together, you know, touch gloves, okay. Then he says like fight, ready, fight, whatever he says. Like some of those things I never heard because it's just so loud and everyone the crowd's you know cheering and the commentators are going on. So it was kind of cool to hear all the little parts that get muffled out but um and then you know the the punching the kicking sounded louder to me and you can hear the corners it's kind of like a contender series or a tough fight um more like a tough fight you know where it's just like you could just hear the corners and that's it but um i think it is fair to to ask how what might it have affected the the actual fighters to not hear any crowd whatsoever um but then you think about the early cards, right? Like the prelims and the pre-prelims or the early prelims, like th- those tend to be pretty empty um, anyway. And so it wasn't that much different than, than that kind of fight. You know, as we moved on to the card, it kind of just stayed as if it was like an early prelims card. So I got to say this, and I think she's the real MVP, Luciana Andrade, the ring girl. That had to have been the most odd choice to keep as part of the show. I'm like, 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 who are you holding the card for? For the TV audience. (laughs) I feel like, okay, look, she seems like a lovely girl. She's gorgeous. But I feel like, you know, I didn't actually see her on the TV. I feel like if you're gonna have her, you better have her every single round. Yeah, that's true. They didn't show her. All. Yes, and it's <laughs> like I'm sorry, but you made her brave the apocalypse. I know. At least give her a mask <laughs> to tell her it's to tell us it's round one. I mean, like I said, that that's the real MVP. Okay, but um, let's talk about the fights. So, look, uh, the walkouts. I think they were very interesting. Let's actually go out of order, bottom up. Let's start with co-main event, uh, Damian Maya, Gilbert Burns. This one was always that one is like, you know, is it going to catch up to Damian Maya? They had some beautiful scrambles on the ground. Um, I like, you know, Maya kind of did what he does. He kind of tried to come forward, push forward. And, um, you know, Bisping called it. He always does it. Then he goes for that single and... It's Damian Maya. He tends to complete it. And lo and behold, he did. And Bisping celebrated it. And Gilbert kind of showed why he's that, you know, why he was a threat to Maya even on the ground. I felt like he defended and escaped the positions well. And then the left hook happened. And really, that was nothing more needs to be said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much. I, I will say, like, over the years, Damian Maya's striking has improved so much. He, he's, to me, he's pretty good. Pretty good striker, and when you combine that with that like super elite jiu-jitsu, I thought, all right, we might have a not might we're definitely gonna have a pretty good fight here. And uh, I was wondering, like, since they're both such jiu-jitsu aces, was it gonna just end up being on the on the feet? But you know, as you said, we had some good scrambles. But yeah, then yeah, 
He landed that shot. It was like a sneaky hook too, just really fast. He timed it perfectly right over Maya's hand as Maya's hand right hand was dropping. And it wasn't like all she wrote. I feel like Maya was still in it, um, but it was a fine stoppage. I mean, he, you know, Bern, Gilbert didn't want to continue to hit him. He figured, as far as he, he was concerned, there was no no more punches needed, but the ref didn't call it, so he had to go in there and go berserker on the hammer fist. Um, and, you know, at that point, yeah, okay, it's it's over. But when I look back at it, I thought, okay, if Maya had at least done something to block the first shot that burns through after he fell, you know, I could see the ref maybe giving him a, a chance, but he just ate the punches and he didn't have anything in response. So he, he was hurt. And, uh, you know, I think he's still going to be circling the top, the top six or seven. Damian Maya to me is still a threat, but Gilbert Burns is clearly uh, someone to watch out for. Yeah. I think the thing to me is that when Maya dropped, he, his head never hit the canvas, so it's kind of like, you know, he took the hit, but he recovered on the way down, and it looked like he was like, okay, I'm down, but all right, come on then, Gilbert, get yeah. in the guard. Um, obviously, you know, he was, I think that's just credit to the veteran, you go into a poker face when you're hurt, and um, that's what happened, but um, yeah, obviously he was done, and Gilbert, I appreciated it, but look, you know, the ref tells you it's not over. Uh, do what you got to do that's you know that's the game so yeah it it was uh, quite interesting but uh yeah that was just just solid work for Gilbert I think that that's about as good a win as you could have hoped for is that not only get a first round finish like that but you also showed you're not afraid to grapple with Damon freaking Maya Damien freaking Maya so yeah very impressive I really liked it he is now ranked number sixth in the division so this is a big win, and um, obviously Damien was up there ranked number number seven. You got guys around there. You got Michael Chiesa. You got Wonder Boy. Um, obviously, the welterweight division is very interesting at this stage. Obviously, with also the events and what happened. So um, yeah, like Wonder Boy is such a big name, but I think that because everyone from five and up, you have Edwards, Masvidal, Colby, and Tyron, I feel like they're going to round robin each other already. That, you know what, um, I'm okay with when action resumes something like Gilbert versus Wonder Boy. I feel like if not now, when for these guys in the welterweight division? I like that a lot. I like that. It's been a while since we've seen Wonder Boy, so I'm, uh, I'm really actually... That would be a really exciting fight. Matchmaker, double G. I'll take it. You know, Sean Shelby, take a break, man. <laughs> yeah, um, go quarantine. <laughs> um, another thing, uh, Damien called out, like, Diego Sanchez for his last fight. I could not imagine two opposite dudes fighting each other. Mm. Like, that- Damien <laughs> is just, you know, just zen, and Diego is... Zen of an alternate kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a fine way to put it. <laughs> what do you think about that matchup for Mr. Maya in um, what could be his last one? Oh, you think? I think he's still gonna stick around. Is he? Unless I've missed that he's hinted at, at like retiring. Or I think he said that you know he's looking at it. This might be it. Mm. Well, I'm looking at the rankings now, and he dropped down two spots, so from five to seven, and Gilbert Burns shot up six. Uh, the UFC's rankings, anyway. So now he's in the sixth position, one above Maya. Um, 
Okay, Maya, Diego Sanchez. Any fight with Diego Sanchez is interesting for a number of reasons. One, because he also he can su- still surprise you, like his Mickey Gall fight. And two, because he's um, he's an interesting personality. He's a legend of the sport. And, um, you know, I am curious also how this Josh Fabia relationship is going to progress. Like, you know, I don't know. I I don't know what to make of that. Of the, of the gentleman, his coach, his sort of like person that does everything, I guess now, manager, mentor, all that stuff. Um, but uh, Damien Maya is a really solid, like genuine dude. And so there's not going to be any trash talk or anything, all respect. And I don't think Maya has power to knock Sanchez out. And as far as grappling goes, you know, Diego Sanchez is, is pretty legit. Maya is like an anaconda. And once he gets here, like a boa constrictor, you know, it's a, it's all she wrote, but I don't know, man. It's definitely, it's definitely something that would be a worthwhile fight because you're two legends. And if Maya's really on the way out, then, you know, it's not going to affect anybody in the, on the rankings. It's just going to be a fun fight. So I'm down, I'm down for it. Like I said, the polarizing characters, you know, like, or not, you know, so just, I mean to say the opposite sides of the spectrum when you talk about Diego and Damien. Uh, I just think it'd be interesting, and yes, I do agree with you. Uh, Joshua Fabia would be um, the uh, quite the the one to watch in that, <laughs> you know, and all the instruction and everything that, you know, all those interviews. I mean, it's quite the rabbit hole to jump into. When yeah, you watch exactly. Them. It's just yeah. <laughs> yeah, just leave it at that. Definitely, <laughs> I get what you're saying. <laughs> Let's move on to the lightweight division. We actually had a very entertaining scrap. All you know, everything aside. Between Kevin Lee and Charles Oliveira, um, the biggest thing to me, I think, is that you know when I think about Charles, I feel like he's always run into the dude that, for as talented as he was, just kind of put it on him, just landed a few shots, and he just didn't have the firepower, couldn't get to the right positions, and the you know stuff would just happen, right? Um, just wouldn't go his way. I was so impressed with this fight with Kevin Lee. I think that Charles really showed um, just the growth in his game, his mental focus. I think that Kevin returned fire a couple times and had some good moments, but Charles just kind of kept walking him down on the ground. I was very impressed with Kevin's defense. I think that he defended so much stuff well. But Charles Oliveira kind of reminded you why he's got the record for most submissions ever in the UFC. Everything just seemed to flow from transition to submission attempt and back. He was never really in trouble on the ground. Um, I was just very impressed. Second round, Kevin Lee, you know, started Charles. Kevin got top position, but didn't really do much until the last 30 seconds. And, um... Yeah, I just had a uh, Charles Oliveira maintaining control throughout the fight. Yeah, I had Charles up the first two rounds, and so when when Kevin Lee came out in round three, punching away, landing some good shots, I was like, okay, someone's awake. You know, he's he's figured out Oliveira's timing. He's got the distance right. This this could turn around for him. And then he went for that single leg when when Oliveira threw a kick. He caught the kick, and then that was all she wrote. So. It was kind of a, um, you know, a bummer. And then, you know, I don't know what he said after the fact, but it was strange to me. I don't know what you thought about it. He clearly tapped. And once once the ref separated them, he sort of acted like he didn't understand why the fight had been called. 
Um, I don't know if you saw that too, but yep. yeah. Did he explain that later? Did anybody ask him about it? You know what? I feel like I, at this moment, I, I feel like someone had to have in the scrum, but I forget exactly what he said. Yeah. Um, so I'd have to go back. Um, I'm going to say this. The fact that anybody fought on Saturday is a testament to the show must go on mentality. And so, uh, look, with everything with the weight cut and all that, I, I can't imagine what the guys were under. I know I that, know. you know, if you say you're going to fight and make the weight, uh, you know, obviously that's is worth something. But I feel like big picture, you can't really ding any of these men and women for the fact that they still went out there and still competed hard under all the extenuating circumstances. These people have families and friends, too. I, I can't imagine the stress going through this like, oh, man, like. We're doing this and that and, you know, not everyone lives, even if you're from Brazil, you don't live in Brasilia, you could be traveling from other places and be stuck, you know, with the state of things. So I, I give everyone a pass on that one. It's a crazy time. So, but yeah, it was certainly weird. And I don't know, maybe it was like in the gym, maybe you would keep going and just kind of keep working because it's quieter and all that, right? But yeah, it was uh, it was just awkward. It was just odd, for sure. Yeah, it just seemed like a glitch. Like, maybe he thought, maybe he didn't realize the ref separated him and that, that Oliver just let go. And so he was like, okay, I'm just going to continue. No one saw my tap, but um, it doesn't really matter, you know. Like, yes. It was clearly, the fight was over. He tapped, it was over. But um, Charles Oliver looked great. He looked amazing. His He kept great distance. His strikes were sharp, precise. He was, you know, doing some flashy stuff in there too, and uh, I thought I picked Kevin Lee because of his performance with Gregor against Gregory Gillespie, but Charles Oliveira really, really stole the spotlight there. And uh, again, still looking at the rankings here, he shot up five spots. Now he's number eight in the lightweights, uh, just below Felder and Cerrone. So good for him. I mean, let's talk about that. I'm not gonna lie. I'm looking at you know, the rankings, I'm thinking about the fact that this is, what was it, seven or eight in a row for Charles? I mean, you know, he's kind of approaching that that Max Holloway, Kamaru Usman, yes, totally. you know, position where it's like you've won so many fights that it's kind of like, no, really, why? where is your title shot? Is this really it? And look, a lot of that is marketability. He's a guy who, you know, uh, I'll say it, when you look at his record and the numbers, it kind of seemed like maybe he had, you know, journeyman status. He's been in the UFC 10 years. It's only in the last couple that he's kind of had this personal renaissance that he's breaking through, which is completely fine. I am here for it. He is a freaking fantastic fighter, and similar to Jorge Masvidal, you're just putting them together at the right time, and, you know, just every fight is the best version of Charles lately. This is awesome, and I'm here for it, so... Look, he's also a lightweight. Um, there's two guys by the names of Habib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson who've been making who? a lot of noise, <laughs> who also have more wins in a row than he does. You know, and once again, he's got seven, eight in a row, people. You know, this is a testament to the shark tank that is the lightweight division, that he's not on the short list for a title shot despite his success. So, um... Which raises the obvious question. What is next for Charles Oliveira? Natalie? <laughs> oh, yes, to me. 
Well, um, first, I will I will say that your you know your mention of him kind of looking like a journeyman is is that's the impression I had too coming into this, and so I thought, oh, it's just you know another not that he's not amazing and everything and has this submission record, but I thought it was you know it, you know Kevin Lee came in as the A side. I thought it was just a stepping stone for for Kevin Lee to go up to the next uh, back into the top five with the uh, of the lightweight. So so now that Charles is here. And he's looking spectacular. I was really, really impressed with his performance. Well, I think I would want to see. Oh, let's see. Does Dan Hooker have a fight yet? Poirier. Oh, Poirier. Okay. Well, then, then I'm going to go with Cerrone because Felder probably needs would benefit from some more time to recover. But again, we have no idea when <laughs> when we're going to be back in action anyway. So yeah. either of those guys, Cerrone or Felder. I mean, they're sitting right there. Let's do it. No, I hear you. I, I like uh, Cowboy also. I feel like he's just kind of the big name to help propel him, especially coming off the Conor McGregor fight. Um, the thing about Charles is, uh, I mean, you he's fought Paul Felder, uh, Dan Hooker's book, um, Gaethje and Conor. Yeah, um, has he fought Cerrone? He might have. Like I said, 10 years, he's had a ton of fights, Yeah, you know. I'm not looking at his record off the top of my head. If he, if you tell me he has, then I don't I'm, know because I feel like he fought both Oliveras, like Cowboy Olivera and then Charles. Uh, I mean, like look, both of them. Hey, it's Charles Oliveira and Donald Cerrone. If they're two guys who had to have run into each other at some point, they're yeah. very likely. I'm looking at it right now. Um, he beat really... uh, Charles Oliveira. Beat Cerrone. No. Oh, he uh, lost. no, Cerrone beat Oliveira by strikes round one. Yeah, 2011, that's how long ago it was. Shit, like, they were just young pups back then, if you think yeah, about it. Yeah, it doesn't count. Yeah, so, you know, I, maybe the time is right for a rematch. Um, look, they, he's got a lot of fights. Like I said, anybody, you know. I, I will say this, if anything happens in between with, like, Felder and Hooker and, uh, um, not Felder, but uh, Poirier, Hooker, and... Gaethje and Connor, I mean, why not? I mean, this kid's on a hot streak. Like, if you guys need someone to step up, I feel like he should be on the short list. And um, you can't really just argue with his numbers. He's just been performing very well. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, I feel a little bit like it's, you know, Cerrone needs a break. But, you know, as we know, he prefers to stay busy, so... He's just had a heck of a 2019. I mean, he fought four times. Give the man what he wants kind of deal. Well, give him what he wants, but also maybe he should take it easy. You know, but hey, what, McGregor was in January. He's, he's you know, if we know him half as, as well as we think we do, he's ready to go. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a spectacular matchup. I think with someone like Oliveira, you want to give him a bigger name. Not that Paul Felder isn't a good name, but you know Cerrone, man, that's that's the marquee name, right? You get a fight against him. Not that he's a gatekeeper, really. Sort of, you know, he was he was then he wasn't. He was becoming a contender. Maybe he's sort of in limbo there between gatekeeper and contender these days. But it's still a really valuable opponent to have uh, for anybody, Donald Cerrone. No, I I agree too, and I think it's just you know. It's going to open the doors for him to, you know, get the fights that he needs and all that. 
Um, but yeah, I think that this is a uh, when you know going back to the you know the elephant in the room. It's an interesting time. Um, like so, obviously, you know the news broke. Uh, was it yesterday? Uh, all UFC events canceled. Um, for you know the next three weeks at least. Uh, Bellator isn't even booked for action until May. Uh, the big one. Tony and Habib are out there. Uh, you know, Habib is saying, just send me location. Tony is being Tony and flipping. I don't even know what it is. It just looks like this structure and just jumping on over it like he's going for American Ninja Warrior. Will the fight happen? I would love nothing better. I think, though, it's not hard to say that, man, it's a very changing situation every day. I think that the timetable, it's like, look, either life will be on a point where we're getting to normal or it just won't. So I'm not yeah. really sure. But um, I guess we'll find out and that'll just be that'll just be it. But um, yeah, so obviously without MMA, what are we going to talk about and what are <laughs> we going to do? What is MMA daily without daily news daily? in the world of MMA? <laughs> Uh, so I was thinking, and you know, Natalie and I spoke, and we want to be out here. I think that um, not every, you know, we're not about to have a a cloudy day on MMA Daily for the next several weeks while we wait for things to break. I think that that's just not healthy for anyone. I think people want to have a conversation. I think they want to have fun, and so do we. So. We are committed. I think that we're going to have maybe some examination. Maybe we'll go back and we'll talk about some of our favorite fights, our favorite events, some of our favorite storylines. Um, there's a lot of MMA television and movies, which, as we've pointed out, there's more than enough time to watch now because everyone's being <laughs> quarantined. So we'll get back to you guys and we'll have a lot of different stuff. But as of right now... We will be here for your quarantainment for the foreseeable future. Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I just thought of it. I, I love I like it, it personally. But yeah, so um, Natalie, as we have all of these uncertain times, is there any message you want to give and send? It would be just to um, stay, stay peaceful in your mind and... Um, Try and, and pick up a, an old hobby or, or start a new one. You know, read a book that you haven't read before or maybe one that you have. Just, you know, keep it simple, I guess, really is my my my, uh, my message. Is what I'm trying to do is just keep it simple and uh, enjoy, enjoy being home. I mean, there was a time in our lives where being told to stay home was probably very exciting. Like, you know, if you got to miss school or something, you're like, oh, this is great. I know right now for people that have kids in school, it's it's stressful because now they have to stay home and take care of them. But yeah, I guess I guess I'm gonna go back to just keep it simple and try and stay positive. And and we're all in it together. So yeah, like I want to reiterate, like, look, if you're feeling stressed, you're not alone. We all are. And once again, like, you you know, look out for your person next to you, and you will, you know, we'll get through it together one day at a time. And but you know. Hopefully, you know, I think everyone's hoping that we get back to normal very soon because the memes and all, all that, you know, they're not going to be funny forever. We kind of want life to get back to normal. And so let's hope <laughs> yeah. we're all, let's all work together to get there. 
Sounds good. All right. So, Natalie, where can fans keep up with you to keep you company in these, you know, times? Yes. Please help me. <laughs> Talk to me on Twitter at uh, Natalie Zamudio underscore and on Instagram at Zamudio Rama. And guys, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double. And we'll be back with a full show. We'll be giving you guys some fun stuff, all of that. So come back next week.